today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. How many of you are willing to submit everything that you have, your time, your talents, your treasure? How many of you are willing to, if need be, forsake your family and everything that you've planned in life? How many of you are willing to die to self, to know that your sin is forgiven, and to enter into relationship with Almighty God? Because that's the only way that eternity is assured. That's the only way that relationship with God ever comes. It doesn't come through the simplicity of, I want to go to heaven. It comes through the reality of, I need to die to self in order that Christ might live through me. Christ said that if we do not put him before mother, brother, children, and spouse, we are not worthy of him. In today's message, Pastor David encourages us to surrender all of our hearts and all of our lives to the Lord. Because we've been bought with the highest price, Jesus deserves our total devotion. The good news is that when we lay down our lives at the feet of Jesus, He gives us an abundant life in return that only comes from intimate fellowship with God and with His people. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message, A Radical Call from the Book of 2 Peter. In the King James Version and in the New King James Version, it says that add to your faith virtue. But unfortunately, that's not a really good translation of that. Actually, a better translation or at least an understanding of what he's saying is add to your faith moral excellence, moral excellence or goodness. That means choosing and doing the right things in our lives, making godly decisions, allowing God to direct our paths, making a choice as to who we will follow, whether we follow God or we follow the world and our own flesh, whether we allow the Holy Spirit's prompting to lead us or whether we allow the flesh's temptations to lead us. We need to make those choices within our lives. Those are the choices we are called to make as believers. The second virtue, and again, we looked at it last week and I won't go very deep on here, is knowledge. And again, that clearer understanding is a relational knowledge or knowledge that comes by way of relationship. And I shared with with you again. This deals with our growth, our own personal relationship with God. How again, through our own study of the Word of God, through our own devotion time, through the fellowship with other believers, growing and knowing who God is, the very person of God, experiencing that reality. Not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge that then leads to action within the feet and the hands and the mind, okay? And we looked at that again. So now let's move on. In verse 6, in verse 6, Peter says, and to knowledge, we need to add self-control, and to self-control, we need to add perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. So along with virtue, along with knowledge, we now add self-control. 
Now, I know what Peter means when, in this translation here where it says add self-control. I understand what he's meaning there. I believe that you understand what it means there. But every time I read this, I can't help but think that the real problem for most of us is, is that self is already too much in control, okay? Uh, I, I don't want self to be in control. As a matter of fact, that's the battle that each one of us uh, uh, fight moment by moment of every day. Self wants to say, I got that one. I got that one. I'll take care of this one. And what we need to be saying is, no, I want the Lord to lead. I want his spirit to lead. I want to be led by the things of God, not by the things of self. What Peter is telling us here is we need to get a game, uh, need, to, need to get within our lives a better control or a complete control of self, or better yet, a death to self. And we know that the problem is, is that rascal keeps raising back up from the dead, doesn't he? He keeps rising back up. We say, man, I've I've crucified my flesh. My flesh is dead. I want the Lord to reign and rule in my life. And we go about our day and all of a sudden we realize, man, self has come back from the dead. And he's suddenly back in control again. That's the battle that we fight. During the earthly ministry of Jesus, I don't know how well you understand this, But when we read the Gospels, if we read it with a clear understanding, we find out that Jesus said some extremely radical, radical things. Jesus didn't just come to say, oh, God loves you. Oh, it's so wonderful. Why don't you come on, be a part of God's family? It's so glad. No, Jesus was pretty radical in what he said and how he said it. In the calling that he makes for us to follow him, Jesus doesn't uh, soft soap anything. He doesn't make it uh, easy at all by any stretch of the imagination. And again, as, as a matter of fact, you can keep your place in Peter. Flip over to Mark, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 8. Now, there is a multitude of places within the Gospels that we could look and find similar statements we're going to look at this one this morning just to, to give you the, the, a good clearance and a clearing understanding of it in Mark chapter 8 about these radical type of declarations that Jesus makes. In Mark chapter 8 and going down to verse 34, it says is that when he, speaking of Jesus, when he had called the people to himself and with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus understood what a cross was. It's a beautiful little piece of jewelry that you can hang around your neck, or it's a nice little plaque you can put up on the wall. No, that's what it is to many today. But the reality of what a cross was to Jesus and to all of those that were hearing him that day was, you know what? You've got to take up your electric chair every day. You've got to take up a guillotine every day. You've got to take up that hangman's noose every day. It was an instrument of death. And it was the understanding that every day you need to die to self. When he says you need to deny self, take up your cross, what Jesus was saying is, 
you need to get out of the picture in order that I might be all in all in your life. You need to be willing to deny self. Not just willing, but you need to deny self in order that Christ might live fully through you. He goes on there and he says uh, in verse 35, for whoever desires to save his life will have an extremely hard time in life. That's not what it says, is it? As a matter of fact, he says, if you desire to save your life, you're going to lose your life. Is he speaking about our physical life? No. He's speaking about our spiritual life. As a matter of fact, we can go on with this and we see exactly what he means. He says, if you desire to save your life, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, in other words, surrendered, total uh, abandonment, total denial of self, he says, for my sake and the gospels, then you will save your life. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. So do you realize by that last statement, loses his own soul, that everything that Jesus was speaking of from the beginning there in verse 34 deals with a salvation issue. He deals with the reality of what it means to be truly born again. Now really, do you realize how radical that is? He's telling people, you want to follow me? Let me tell you what it's going to cost for you to follow me. To really and truly be born again, what you need to do is you need to deny self. Then you need to take up that instrument of death, not only prepared to die and willing to die, but dying to self. Then you can come and follow me. And that whole idea of following me, I've read the the, the footsteps of Jesus, the cute little poem and all, and, and it's fine. But you know what? What Jesus means by following me is that as my disciple, you hear my teachings and you willingly obey those teachings as my disciple, as one who follows me. It would appear on the surface as we look at this, if we just look at it in a casual sense there in Mark It would just appear on the surface that what Jesus was saying, if you're going to truly follow me, you must deny yourself. You must be willing and be prepared to die. As a matter of fact, you need to lose your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel. But if you were to take this study and really be able to do an in-depth word study in the original languages, if you were to take it back to the, again, the, 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 the context of which it's written, who he's speaking to, and the time in which he's writing or, or speaking these things, then really what Jesus was saying is, is if you're going to truly follow me, you've got to deny yourself. If you're really going to follow me, you must be willing and be prepared to die. What he says is, is as a matter of fact, you need to lose your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel. You see, the message doesn't change, rather simple or deep. It is the same message. If I'm going to say that I'm following Jesus, it's got to be a life change within me. It's not simply, do you want to get a ticket to heaven? Sure. Amen. Yes. Well, pray this prayer and you've got it. And the unfortunate reality is, is in many places, particularly within our culture, that is the call to Christianity. Do you want to spend an eternity in hell? Or do you want to spend an eternity in heaven? 
I want to go to heaven. Who wouldn't in their own, you know, in their right mind? But what if the question, what if the asking would be, what if the invitation was, how many are ready to die to your plans, to your future? How many of you are willing to submit everything that you have? your time, your talents, your treasure? How many of you are willing to, if need be, forsake your family and everything that you've planned in life? How many of you are willing to die to self, to know that your sin is forgiven and to enter into relationship with Almighty God? Because that's the only way that eternity is assured. That's the only way that relationship with God ever comes. It doesn't come through the simplicity of I want to go to heaven. It comes through the reality of I need to die to self in order that Christ might live through me. That's radical. That's a radical message that is not being preached very much within the church of today. It's it's not easy believism by any stretch of the imagination. And the problem is, is easy believism is what's filling the pews and unfortunately many pulpits in our nation and in our culture today. I used to say, to be an effective follower of Jesus, you need to die to self. But you know what? That's not true. That's not even biblical. The biblical truth is, is to be actually a true and an actual follower of Jesus. You have to die to self. Because you see, I can't be a follower of Jesus and just say, well, I'm just an ineffective follower of Jesus. Because I only got this much of Jesus. But I guess it was enough to get me into heaven. There's one who preached the message not long ago, and he says, only 50 cents worth of Jesus, please. Not not enough to change my life, not enough to change my direction, not enough to hold me back from the things I want to do in this life, but just enough, just enough. Jesus doesn't split himself up. He doesn't divide himself. It's all or nothing at all. All or nothing at all. Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Right now, some of you might be looking at me sideways. You might be thinking in your own mind, oh, that's easy for you to say. After all, you're a pastor. You're, you're a preacher. You're a, you're a ooh, minister of the gospel. But you see, the problem is, is I still carry around this carcass of flesh also. I still battle with this flesh day in and day out, moment by moment, okay? The flesh is still there. And I have to continually die to self. I have to continually recognize, oh man, that's not the Spirit of God that's speaking through me. That's not the Spirit of God that's leading this thought. That's not the Spirit of God that's causing this action to take place. No, that's my flesh. Lord, I, again... I again submit my flesh to you. Every time I think that I've died, every time I think that I've sealed the coffin on the death of this flesh, the flesh keeps banging away, knocking another nail out of the coffin, and pretty soon his old ugly self is right there again. 
So it remains that continual process, that continual process of dying daily, sometimes that moment by moment. Why? Because self wants to be in control, yet self must be under control, under the control of the Spirit of God to the point of dying to self in order that Christ might live in me. As a matter of fact, I got to thinking when I was studying on this, I got to think, how radical would this be? To get a t-shirt, and on the front of that t-shirt, blazoned in really bold letters, death to self, death to self. Everybody looked at that and said, wow, that's kind of morbid kind of a thought you got going on there. I can see death to this guy or this, but death to self. And then on the back of it, have something like maybe Galatians 2.20, says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, who gave himself for me. Maybe that'll kind of help me remember. Death to self, but let Christ live. Maybe even Galatians 5.24, where he says, and those who are Christ's, Those who are believers, those who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. You know what? We can only say those kinds of things. We can only live those kinds of things when we are with all diligence, as Peter says, adding to our faith moral excellence, adding to our faith relationship knowledge of the Almighty, adding to our faith that control of self, bringing self down, dying to self. And we only do that even as he continues on here in verse 6. We do that now with perseverance. Add to my self-control, perseverance. That's the next trait. And again, the King James Version has the word patience. Patience. Add to your self-control, patience. But the problem is, I don't know about you, but patience to me seems like way too passive of a word. Patience to me is I'm, I'm sitting back waiting. I'm just going, okay. And, and most of you that know me know that I'm not good at patience anyway, okay? But that's not really what the word that, that Peter wrote means. The word that Peter wrote and, and many other translations use it. It has that idea of perseverance and endurance, Rather than passive patience, it's a very active and moving, persevering and enduring. That's part of that race that we're in. If we're going to run that race and run it correctly, we are with all diligence adding perseverance in our life. Why? Because along that marathon run, suddenly here's a hurdle. And you think, man, I've already run all these miles. Now they're going to throw a hurdle in front of me? Are you kidding me? And so you jump that hurdle, and then you think, okay, that's great. No, you go around the corner, and boom, there's another hurdle. You think, this is nuts. Then you turn the next corner, and there's a lake, and you got to dive in, you got to swim. And the current, unfortunately, is going against you. I don't know about you, but for most believers I know, that's the reality of our Christian lives that it's not just an easy coast down the stream, sitting in my rowboat, going with the flow. I learned long ago, when you turn and go against the stream, well, first of all, going downstream seems to be pretty easy. But when you turn and go upstream, 
then you start running into all kinds of old dead fish and everything else that's floating down the river. It becomes more difficult, and we are called to go upstream in our life. This whole idea, perseverance. When we, when we looked at self-control, we understood that it directed more towards combating those, those sensual, those physical pleasures of our life. That's the understanding of what self-control is. But with perseverance, we're dealing with struggles that are outside of our life, the battles that we're going to run into in our life. These things that work against us to derail us, to knock us off course in our life. The whole idea of perseverance is very active, not in such a defensive way of guarding against things that are going, but really and truly in a very offensive way, that we are pushing forward, that we are moving forward in our lives with a desire to grow, with a desire to see Jesus again magnified in our lives, letting nothing stand in our way of being pilgrims in progress. That means we are progressing, we are moving forward in our lives. It does also hold the idea of being steadfast and being immovable. I understand that too. And there are times that, man, you're you're doing good just to stand your own against the attacks. But beloved, we as believers are not called simply to stand still. We are to persevere. We are to move forward in our walk in Christ. And that's the exact idea that the Apostle Paul shared with the church of Galatia. In Galatians 6, 9, he says, let us not become weary in doing good. What does that mean? That means that I'm doing something. That means that I'm moving forward. He says, don't become weary in doing good, in doing the right thing. For at the proper time, we will reap the harvest if we don't give up if we don't give up. The race is hard. The race is long. But it's through faithful perseverance and the equipping power of the Holy Spirit that we receive that reward. James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 12, he says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Perseverance. Let's move on. The fifth characteristic. To faith add virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, then to perseverance godliness. Godliness. And again, godliness has kind of a twofold meaning. It has the meaning of our vertical as well as the horizontal relationship that we have. It deals with our relationship with God, and it also deals on how people can see God in and through us, how we respond and live according to God's plan and purpose in our life. If we're going to live in godliness, it will be evident both to God as well as to the people that are around us. And again, There's no way that we can even begin to get to that point of godliness until these other things have been added into our lives. With this characteristic of godliness in our lives, we ought to be those who, again, are are moving and pressing on toward that relationship in a continual basis. The life we're called to live as followers of Christ is not a simple one. 
And the Apostle Peter makes it clear through his second letter that it's a path that's easy to miss. So how do we stay connected to our Savior and walk out the steps He has planned? One way is to immerse ourselves in a community of faith. When we spend time with other believers, we can remind each other of the truth of God's great power, just like Peter reminded the early church. Are you a part of a local body of believers? If not, Pastor David has a personal invitation for you. Well, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith. It's given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, you're looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Savior and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. Is there some way we could be praying for you as you journey along your path with Jesus? Let us know by calling 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We love to be able to speak with our listeners, lift them up in prayer, and answer the questions they have. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor David's study in 2 Peter today. Join us next time to continue the series right here on The Open Word.